Have you considered growing your business through acquisition? Sometimes when our businesses start to grow more slowly, entering a new market through an acquisition can be a great strategy. Today's guest shares how he catapulted his growth by bringing on a business that wasn't obviously aligned with his current business and how you may consider a similar strategy. Welcome to another episode of the Harvest Growth Podcast, focused on helping consumer product companies, inventors, and entrepreneurs harvest the growth potential of their product businesses. Today, I'm really excited to be speaking with Chet Byler. He's the owner and CEO of OvereasyChickenCoop.com. We'll put that URL in our show notes, so be sure to check it out. He also owns a business called the Amish Country Gazebos business. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well in our conversations today. Really cool line of products, very unique for our, for our many listeners that have been around for a while. We do a lot of on-the-shelf type products. This is a cool product that you're going to want to hear about. It's very different, in, in sure, I'm sure, in the way he's developed it and markets it. And I think a lot of people can learn from this conversation today. So, Chet, I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Thanks again. Thank you, John. I'm honored to be on your show. So for, we're going to talk primarily, I think, about the, your newer business, which is the Overeasy Chicken Coops. We can dive into your, your gazebo business as well in our conversation. But for those in our audience that don't really know what a chicken coop is, I, hopefully most do, but could you quickly describe what it is in general and how yours differs from others in the market? A chicken coop is generally for someone who has backyard chickens or maybe a farmette and they want 20 or less chickens. Uh, it's very different from, you know, a large chicken house where you would have thousands of chickens for sure. So it's all about backyard chickens and, uh, you know, organic, fresh organic eggs every day and that kind of thing. Perfect. It's funny. I've, I've noticed a lot of my friends over the last couple of years, especially since COVID, but have started to buy chicken coops and put them up in their backyards and you know, I live in a fairly residential neighborhood in Colorado, so you don't need a lot of space for these as long as your HOA allows it, et cetera. And they've, they've really loved it. It's been quite a, a cool experience. I, I love getting their eggs shared with us too, <laughs> getting farm uh, fresh or home do. fresh, however you call that eggs in the background. So your coops that you've developed really have an advantage or several advantages over other coops that are out there. Um, as I you know, kind of read your bio and I've talked to you about this a little, a little bit, you've been in the gazebo business, which is kind of, sort of similar, at least in construction wise, right? You know how to make stuff that goes in a yard, right? What made you come up with this particular idea to make these coops better than others? Well, since the eighties, I've been focused on helping people enjoy outdoor living on their own property, primarily with landscape structures, gazebos, pergolas, pavilions. And I actually started the business from scratch in the eighties and then decided to a few years ago that I wanted to grow by acquisition. So when there was actually a company in Colorado that down south of uh, Colorado Springs, where they make uh, sheds. In fact, I would highly recommend them to anyone. It's called The Shed Yard. And back in 2015, the four brothers who own that business, who used to live here in Pennsylvania, moved out to the West and they were building houses and then tiny houses. And then they developed this shed company called The Shed Yard. And uh, I guess it was 2014, 2015 at a trade show. They also made chicken coops, but these were chicken coops that were built like a shed, very hard to move around, expensive to ship. And even when you get it to Mrs. Smith's house, to get it into the backyard or wherever they want to position it was really a big chore. So they designed a modular coop 
that could be shipped knocked down. And then the components could be taken even through a house. We've even sold up into Long Island and Brooklyn. And sometimes we take the pieces through a townhouse into their postage stamp backyard and they can have three or four chickens there. So the business was actually developed back in 2015, 16. And then I bought the business in June of 2020, right after COVID hit. We were in negotiations during that time. And what we discovered is that because of COVID, many, many millions of more people were deciding they wanted to have more sustainable living and fresh organic eggs every day. And so COVID was not hurtful to our growth. Yeah, absolutely. And and these sheds, so you talked about some problems where they're I, they're hard to deliver, they're hard to set up. Yeah. I would imagine it was more of a local business in the past where people would buy from local ranch supplies because they were hard to ship, right? Where now you can ship to anywhere in the country. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that's right. Actually, there are three categories of coops. You might say good, better, and best. I'm going to cut them a break and say even the imports from China are like okay, but many of those only last a season or two and predators can get in and some of them don't even have a floor and you got to put them right on the ground. So they're, you know, you can get those for under $500. And then if you get the shed like coops, they are much more expensive. They're very well built. You won't ever have to get another one, but they are expensive to ship and hard to move around, as I mentioned a moment ago. So we decided that maybe we could find something down the middle. It's very good quality. It's the quality is almost as good as those that are built, you know, big bulky ones from the shed companies, but it's modular. And so people love these and we're selling them by the many thousands. And it's uh, after we went forward with a nationwide marketing program, then our business really took off. When we bought the company, they were localized mainly there in Colorado and the West And then when we bought the company, we applied some of what we learned and what you do so well, which is, you know, either regional, we choose nationwide digital marketing to get more attention from, you know, homeowners for this product. Perfect. Once they buy these chicken coops to consumers, what's your sense on how difficult it is to raise chickens? That's a question I get from Ah. friends that have had them, et cetera. Is it hard to get, once you get the coop, it's easy to set that up. How how hard is it to manage the chickens? No, you're right. The coop is very easy to put together. We even have the screws right where they belong. Every coop that we make is fully assembled in our shop and then taken apart. And then it's just, you know, six or seven different pieces that you put together. It really goes together. Well, you can assemble it with two people in less than one hour. Uh, But to your your question about how difficult it is to raise chickens, very easy there. We call it chicken coop for the soul because it really is cool how, you know, it's good for the family dynamics. Uh, Parents love showing their children how to, you know, collect fresh organic eggs every day. Grandparents make memories with their grandchildren. So it's really a way to make awesome memories. And it's there's a thing called chicken math. If you start with three chickens, you're probably the next year going to have five and the next year seven, and soon you'll have 10. And some people just can't let go of them even after they stop laying eggs and should perhaps become, you know, chicken nuggets. (laughs) But, uh, it's really cool and not I, the number one challenge is, and the reason 
the number one reason people get out of having backyard chickens is predators. They get discouraged about the foxes getting into the hen house and ours are predator resistant. So that's another reason our coops are so popular. That's great. Let's talk about the marketing side of this. So how do people find your business nowadays? Well, you could probably write the script on this one, but you know, (laughs) we, we sort of reject billboard advertising or even print advertising. And our aim is to be there when someone searches online for anything backyard chicken related. And we found, we find that the return on investment when we're there, when they are looking is our best marketing dollars. Now we do also go to market through dealers. We have hundreds of dealers across the country. And then we're on other digital platforms like tractor supply and, and other uh, chains like that. So the, the standard answer for, okay, be there when people are searching for you is traditional search engine marketing, of course. Yeah. So doing paid ads behind that, that works really well. As you said, have you found other techniques or marketing channels that work well in a, in a similar fashion to be there at the right time as people are looking for them beyond search? I think search is the way to go. You know, it it's easy king, to yeah. measure. It's easy to turn up or down on a dime. Yeah. And so it's, and then, you know, during COVID, people became increasingly comfortable buying online. So we have a Shopify site and we just try to drive traffic there. And then it on the retail side, that's pretty much automated. Now, we also partner with Amazon Wholesale mm-hmm. so that we're on their platform, but we do it in a way where they actually buy truckloads and put it in their warehouses and they can deliver right away. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, search is king in that environment, especially for these are, you know, it's a decent sized purchase. These don't cost $10, right? There's some heft yeah. to them, of course, and it's a significant purchase, although, you know, great value for what you get for sure. So being there at the right time, et cetera, I will tell you, I'm sure you're doing this as well. A lot of our of our clients and you know the, the experience we've had is retargeting becomes a part of that too. So as yes, I you know, kind of look into your market, I see you do a lot of that. So it's about being there when they want it the first time on search and then coming back. So they're reminded because yeah. they may have gotten there like, oh, I want to buy one of those. And then they forget about it a week later. Right. Whatever. So that reminds right. them, It's but it's that, that warm audience that you've already started to capture. It can be a great way to connect to them as well. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to dis the power of a printed piece. In fact, you know, we send this out to potential dealers all around the country twice a year. And we're talking about 20,000 potential dealers. And we have this thing where we, we really want to reach out by email, snail mail and phone. So when we send these out to potential dealers, then we find, we follow up with a a phone call. Um, We outsource that and, so, you know, the funnel, you have to do different things to make it work. Uh, but we do really favor selling directly to the end user. And in that regard, we, uh, of course, value um, digital marketing and we wouldn't be here without it. Certainly couldn't have a nationwide uh, presence. Yeah, no, for sure. So, and what he was holding up for the audience that's just listening to this is just a half sheet of, it's been, what is it, eight of five by 11 or something like that, or five by eight yeah. um, printed flyer that he sends in the mail. I think, I assume that's direct mail you said, and then you follow up with a phone call for these. Yeah, dealers. that's right. Yep. And just make the case for why they might want to offer these in on their, you know, lot because people do enjoy yeah. being able to see them physically. And, you know, we don't have any stores. Uh, we, we just try to equip dealers and then ship directly from, uh, from our uh, fulfillment center here and down in Georgia 
to to uh, dealers and and to Mrs. Smith or the end user, you know, yeah, for their backyard. Yeah. And who is your, so if you're talking now direct to, to the consumer, the, who is the buyer? How would you describe them? Uh, it would be <clears throat> married with children, living on generally an acre or more, and they value outdoor living and probably have other pets already. Often beyond cats and dogs, maybe have a goat or sheep, maybe a horse, so it's the ranch, the farm and ranch sector is big, but then you'd be amazed at how many people, even in subdivisions and some multi-million dollar homes in Orange County, California, and they want to have backyard chickens. So they go with yeah. our coop and get three or four chickens. And it's really a, a trend that we uh, are glad is, is, is growing. If you, is there, you, you talk about an acre plus being kind of the normal or target market. Is there any minimum acreage? Because no. I, I imagine they've got to run as long as you fit the run where they need to go. That's yeah, they have to be So, you know, you could have a 20 by 20 backyard. And <laughs> as long as your neighbors don't mind you having chickens, you, you can you can do it. How is so you talked about search being obviously a big part of what you do. How has it helped you to have you've got a detailed understanding of your audience, the way you just describe it, your target market. How has that helped you to better market to them? Well, um, we're trying hard to control how our ads appear, you know, all the time. And you know that that requires some finesse and there are some automated ways in which to do that. But yeah, we're constantly asking, how can we connect online with that end user? And the key for us is to be there when they're ready and can they find us? And by the way, I might mention uh, backyard chickens are also uh, very popular in Europe and we're expanding to Europe. In fact, I'll be going to Belgium next week uh, to get things set up there. But Western Europe, uh, they've been having backyard chickens uh, even at a greater rate than in the United States until COVID hit. Now we're kind of catching up with them, but it's strong over there as well. That's great. So I, I alluded to your other business, your gazebo business a little bit. And can you remind with the audience, what's the website for the gazebo business? It's just amishgazebos.com. We're back here in the Amish country in Pennsylvania, and we have Amish carpenters that work in our uh, gazebo shop and in the coop factory. And uh, so we call it Amish country gazebos, and we ship easy to assemble gazebo, pergola, and pavilion kits all over the country. So is it similar in to your coops where you, so you, are, you are receive them as a consumer and assemble it with two people yourself, just yes. like the coops? That's great. That's so it's, right. So it's Although with the gazebos, we get into some larger projects with municipalities and all that, and and then we send our crews out to install. Uh, you know, sometimes down in Florida, Maine, east of the Mississippi, and then we have you know uh, a network of contractors around the country that can erect a gazebo or pergola for a homeowner or a contractor municipality. And for those that are, again, in audio, not seeing the video, I encourage you to check this out on YouTube, or we'll try to get a picture of it for the, we'll put it in the show notes. But uh, Chet's got a great photo behind him on the wall of a gazebo with, we think it's a McLaren in there. Beautiful yeah. gazebo though. Great example of a very premium one that might, that might fit in your backyard. So how, how has it helped? I mean, you've had that business very successfully for a long time, and yeah. now you've got this new chicken coop. How have the two businesses helped each other? How would, you know, being so successful in one, how has that helped you to catapult your success for the chicken coop business? 
The biggest challenge when I bought the chicken coop business was making coops faster because people will buy if they are in stock and ready to ship. So when we could take a portion of our gazebo shop and start and turn it into a coop factory, and when we could set up a factory also down in Georgia for the coops, then that really solved that problem. And I would not have had the wherewithal, the knowledge, or the resources to solve that problem if it had not been for decades of experience in making landscape structures. I do like the fact that you talked about growing through acquisition though, and thinking of that, it's, I think it's great advice that a lot of our audience can learn from. So, so many people, you know, they've got a successful product business, let's say, or maybe a service business. And so often, you know, maybe we think about acquisition, but you look very close in, you know, you know, the, the layperson would never associate gazebos with chicken coops, right? There's it's a different right. market, different clientele, that kind of thing. But con- yeah. the construction, the marketing, all that can really line up the two. I think it's 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 ingenious, really, to think about go beyond the obvious in terms of finding partners or acquisitions that, that can help further grow your business into other marketing channels, other potential consumers, et cetera. So that's uh, kudos to you. Right. I think it's, John, it's great to see that connection. Yeah, if I may. Uh, we're so enthused about growing by acquisition that we're launching a private equity fund in January where we're going to, you know, pull, of course, lots of money from other investors to grow by acquisition at a faster rate. And it's primarily going to be in the backyard living sector. You know, it could be anything from... uh, So if any of your listeners know of companies that might like to consider an exit because frankly, COVID last year in particular really created some stress for people who might have been in business for decades and to take 30 or 40% of their energy and time to try to deal with, you know, supply chain issues and all that was uh, creating havoc last year has been really tough on a lot of businesses and has burned out a lot of people. So before they just throw in the towel, tell them to give us a call and they can, uh, maybe have someone who could uh, purchase their business if they're interested, you know. That's great. I'm glad you brought that up. To get a hold of you, should they just go to the contact form on one of your websites or is that a better way? Uh, that would be fine. Although um, I'd be, I'm okay giving my mobile number and they can call me directly. Um, okay. Or better yet, let me give my, uh, my email, which would simply be chet, C-H-E-T, at chetbyler.com. So that's C-H-E-T-B as in boy, E-I-L-E-R.com. So chet at chetbyler.com. That's the best way to reach me. Got it. And we'll put that in the show notes for anybody that's driving. It doesn't have the chance to write that down. So check out the show notes on our harvestgrowthpodcast.com page as well. I might also mention this is weird for me, but I don't think there's another Chet Byler in the country. And so if they just Google me, they'll see They'll find me, and they will also find that, that we were on Shark Tank earlier this year. Oh, congratulations! Coops. That's great. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, and so, it was uh, an interesting experience there. Uh, we almost had Mr. Wonderful as a uh, an investor. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm known as the presenter or the entrepreneur who sabotaged a million dollar deal because what happened was I was really focused on Robert Hershevik because of his European roots. And the reason I was on Shark Tank is we wanted to get some capital to underwrite our expansion to Europe. And so 
Rob, uh, you know, Mr. Wonderful had made the offer. And then I kept going back, trying to persuade Robert Hershevik to come in. And then after a while, Kevin O'Leary just said, all right, I'm out. And ah. then I was left with no <laughs> deal. But the exposure was fantastic. Yeah. And we've had lots of people calling and saying, we, we have money to invest. And so now that's why we're launching the private equity fund. Oh, fantastic. Great story. So uh, let me ask you, are there any resources that you recommend to our audience that you found helpful in growing your business? Yes, indeed. Of course, everyone, I hope, has the e-myth nearby, the entrepreneurial myth, uh, yep. Michael Gerber. He has been my uh, coach in many ways for more than 30 years now, and I think his work is brilliant. It's simple, but he basically talks about creating all these systems whereby you can have your business work for you instead of you just working for it. It's called working on your business, not just in your business. Yep. When it comes to selling, uh, integrity selling for the 21st century, this is by Ron Willingham. And we have found that to be a fantastic book for selling in a way that really, you might call it empathetic listening. And then also with negotiations and Wow. I mean, your, your audience really ought to look at this book. It gives you a, a serious competitive advantage when it comes to negotiations. And it's called Start With No. And it's by Jim Camp. And for me, it's the best book I've ever accessed for negotiations, which we all are part of every day in some way or another. And it's really a good book about how to treat people with respect, how to draw them out, how to, to listen with kind of an open mind, a blank slate. And then if we really listen to each other well, all kinds of beautiful things can happen. And that's what we're trying to do as we acquire additional companies, is to really listen to what the current owners want and see if there can't be a fit where they can have a respectable exit and we can continue the legacy of what they created. Great. Love it. Love it. Thank you for sharing those. I've read two out of the three and uh, both great books. I'll have to check out the third one as well. Is there anything, Chet, that I didn't ask in this interview that you think would be helpful for our audience? I guess it's whether the sky is going to fall with uh, <laughs> the current administration and inflation the way it is and yeah. some of the things that seem to be unraveling in our country. I'm an eternal optimist. I believe our institutions are still strong and that we can get through this and that no matter what happens, as long as you and I and your listeners look for ways to add value every day in some way, I think we can get through this. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's very timely advice. It's good to be positive. Your business has been around for a long time. So you've been through, I've been through a couple recessions, right? We've been around for 15 years. You've been around for, for a few other, a couple other recessions beyond that as well. And I, you know, I got some great advice when I first started my business where basically in a recession can be a great time to really grow your business. So many yeah. of your competitors are really, you know, tamping down, not spending much on marketing and sales, et cetera. And they're losing out on a lot of growth opportunities just because it's, it's the fear of, of it really, but it's, it can be an opportunity. Sure. You have to be careful. It's not as easy as it is during the high times. But it's a great, it can be a great opportunity to really grow your business. You know, you talked about being positive, you know, keeping your chin up during that is, is a really a big part of that and really pushing forward to make sure that you, you, you stay 
stable as a business, but really have the chance to grow even as the world around us may suffer. Hopefully it won't, right? But if, if we do start to see a recession, it can be an opportunity for us as well. Yeah, I think as long as we're focused on adding value in some way to our fellow man, uh, we can we can we can survive. I, I know like what, right when I graduated from high school back in the 80s, uh, I'd grown up on a family farm. There were eight of us kids, four boys, four girls, my mom and dad, and we lost everything because the family farm due to a fire and a recession that was so bad back in the early 80s. So then we had to sell everything, move in with relatives, and then find a place to fix, fix to fix up. So my parents, who were Amish, uh, they that all they knew was farming, and my mom knew how to clean up after eight kids, right? So how could she add value after they lost everything? Well, she took to cleaning hotel rooms. So now I always leave a nice five five dollar tip, you know, whenever I stay at a hotel because <laughs> I feel like I might be tipping my mom or so, so someone who you know needs a needs to get ahead like that. And then she leveraged that to start cleaning people's homes down toward Philadelphia. This is when the service economy was kicking in, and a lot of women were starting to work outside the home. And so then after I graduated from college at Pepperdine University, I came back to Pennsylvania, helped her grow that business. And this was in on the heels of a great, terrible recession, losing our family farm. And my mom and dad with only an eighth grade education, all they did was say, how can we help other people? How can we add value? And then they were able to repay all their debts. And while they didn't get rich, they were able to keep their integrity and you know make ends meet. So no matter what happens, I think if we all think about how can we help others and do that with integrity, and it all takes marketing though too, you got to get the word out, then we're going to be okay. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's an inspirational story for sure. Chet, I want to thank you for taking the time for this interview. It's been great for really fun for me and I'm sure for our audience as well. Let me remind our audience, please go check out Chet's website, overeasychickencoop.com. Dot com. It's the letter E-Z for easy. And we'll put the spelling in the show notes as well. Uh, also check out AmishGazebos.com to learn more about Chet's businesses and see the great work that he's done. And be sure to check out Harvest Growth Podcast to see other episodes we've recorded. And if you like this episode, you want to learn more about how you can profitably grow your consumer product business, please subscribe to our show and leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Chet, thanks again. My pleasure. And thank you, John. 